Jesus is coming back. What is it about that name? It is wonderful. We take it upon our lips and we say the name of Jesus. Jesus is everything. Jesus is who we need. He's all we need. He's everything. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus. Say the name with me. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's get excited in this place. Jesus is alive, resurrected from the grave. I love it when um, you hear kids. You know what? I'm a backup because I'm going to tell you this. Why I chose that video. See, I've told Jen, I was, like, I was like, babe, when I die, I want you to play that at my... No, I'm not looking to die anytime recently, okay? I pray that I'll, I'll, the next 40 years of my life will be fruitful and productive more than they ever have been. But if I die... I want you to play that video at my funeral, and here's why. Because I want people to know that it wasn't about Brian Stuyvesant. It was about Jesus Christ. That everything I did for my kids, it was because of Jesus Christ. The marriage that I have is because of Jesus Christ. The church that we lead and we serve together is because of Jesus Christ. That everything comes back to him. It's our name. It's our faith. It's who we trust in. It's who we believe in. It's Jesus Christ. But I love it when kids, and some of you serve in children's ministry, God bless you, whoever you are that serve in children's ministry, God bless you. But I love it when kids, you know, you ask, ask them a question, you're like, so, so who, is in, um, who is in the lion's den? Who got cast into the lion's den? Jesus. Or, you know, and actually he was, because he was son of God was there. But anyways, and Abraham, when, who was with Abraham that walked up the mountain? Jesus. Have you noticed everything that comes out of a child's lips is Jesus, the name of Jesus. And some are just trying to get out of, you know, saying that they don't know it was Daniel that was in the lion's den, right? But some of them with absolute sincereness will look you dead in the eye and say, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. Where's that childlike faith? Where have we forgotten that he is the name above all things, that everything is under the living Lord. He is risen and, and raised from the dead and everything is below his feet. All your problems, all your predicaments, everything before Jesus must bow before him. A couple weeks back, I was going through the book of Acts, and I read a verse in there. And I read this verse, and I wanted to share it with my kids and my wife, because I never called Jesus the prince. He's the prince. You know, often a title shows a function, right? We've called somebody a title. It tells them what they do in our lives or how they function. And so this verse in Acts came up, and I was like, this is so cool. It says, God exalted him to the right hand as prince and savior. And those titles, this is his function. He gives repentance and forgiveness of sins. I thought that's amazing. That's what he does in our lives, the title. He is our prince. He is our savior who gives us forgiveness. In other words, this is what it means. The prince came down out of glory and saved us and rescued us and redeemed us. That's what he does in our lives. And then another verse hit me that I want to share with my kids. And John the Baptist, he doesn't name Jesus, but he says his function. And from his function, we, we see his title. But it's when Jesus was going to be baptized. And I'm sure it was awkward for John the Baptist because he knew Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not going to, I need you to baptize me, Jesus. But, but John baptizes him. And when Jesus comes out, the Holy Spirit comes. But listen to what John says. John's like, look, I baptize you in water. It's just earthly water. But he, he, I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. He is going to baptize you in fire, in Holy Spirit fire. Guys, Jesus is our prince. Jesus is our savior. Jesus is our baptizer. He wants to pour Holy Spirit fire upon your life. 
You see, Jesus is the prince who gives us repentance and forgiveness. And Jesus is the baptizer who gives us power and authority. See, I have a question for you on this first one. Is Jesus your prince and is he your savior? But let me ask this a different way. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Has something changed in your life? Has God done something at work in your heart and ripped it back and said, you can no longer live the way of the world? Has God brought new life into you? Have you made him prince and savior? See, this is the most game-changing question you can ever answer. Everything hangs on heaven and hell. The Bible says to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. You need to examine yourself and say, do I just go to church? Am I just attending just to be a good person or because our culture says so? Or is there a reason why I'm here? It's because I'm in a powerful relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. Have you been born again? Jesus wants to give you repentance and forgiveness. And I'm talking about initial salvation. Have you been saved by the prince who came down just for you? Or are you trying to earn it? Are you trying to just get through life? Where are you at this morning? See, let me see if this person is you. There's an account of Jesus with a Pharisee, and I want to read this to you and put yourself in this place, okay? This is John 3, if you want to turn there. It'll be up on the screen. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees. Now, a Pharisee, if you know anything about the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day. And often we look back from history and we condemn them. I can't believe how the Pharisees treated Jesus. How did they do this or that? We say this about the Pharisees. So keep that in mind. So there was a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God was with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, he's saying verily, verily, truthful, truthful, amen, amen, amen means truth, amen and amen, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, amen and amen, I say to you, unless born, one is born of water, and that's natural birth, that's the water of the womb, natural birth and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. See the contrast? There's one way and there's another. There's two things we need here. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, referring to natural birth, to the womb, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. See, notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, this will be really nice if you consider this. I know you've been living a good life, and that's cool. And uh, by the way, I died on the cross, but you, you know, you, you've got this, right? He didn't say, maybe you should consider this. Maybe it's an option. Jesus says, Nicodemus, if you want to go to heaven, you have to be born again. See, many knocked the Pharisees, but many of them were good men. They were the conservative theologians of their day. Many believed secretly in Jesus. Notice when Nicodemus comes, he says, we know, we know. And even Nicodemus, by the end of the gospel accounts, is a full-blown believer in Jesus. But right now, Jesus is rocking his world. Let's think about Nicodemus. He attended church. He prayed. He read the Bible. 
In fact, in order to be a Pharisee, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I know that you did that when you were little, so that's not a big deal, right? Because we all got that memorized, right? That's a big deal. They, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They memorized it all. They prayed, they attended church, they tithed. All this. So listen to what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. He attended church. He f- was faithful. He prayed. He read and memorized the Bible. He fasted. And to be a Pharisee, you had to require to fast two times a week. That's twice more than any of you and me, right? Right? Was we real here? He tithed. In other words, he gave 10% probably every Saturday. And he gave over his income to the church. And he gave to the poor. And here's something we don't realize. Something maybe you've thought of with the Pharisees, but maybe you haven't realized this. He believed in God. The one true living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Nicodemus reveals that they believed in Jesus. What's from God? We believe you are who you say you are, Nicodemus said. No one could do the miracles unless God was with him. They recognize he came from God. They recognize the signs as being from a true man of God. And they recognize God was with him. So here's what's amazing about this passage of Scripture. This is what you need to hear today because if you're sitting there and you're like Nicodemus and you're just living a good life, and some of you are like, I may not go to church every Sunday, but I'm living a good life. Here's the amazing passage in the Scripture, what it says. Think about this. Jesus says to a man who attends church faithfully, prays, reads the Bible, ties, fasts two times a week, gives to the poor, is around Jesus enough to see the miracles, to know he's from God. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you're not going to heaven unless you've been born again, that you've been born from above. See, I think there's many who mentally believe in Jesus, but they've never been born again. You're around the things of God, but you're not in God. You're around the things of Jesus. You're around worship, but you're not in worship. You're not in Christ, worshiping him in spirit and truth. See, if you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. Let me use this pen as an illustration here. This is just a a Russian pencil I happen to have around the house because everybody has these in their their house, right? So Ellie actually brought this because I forgot it this morning. I got this on a, a Russian mission trip. But what I want you to see is I want you to pretend this is your heart. This is your heart, okay? Notice that it's shooting this way. Every single one of us have been born oriented. The polarity of our heart is born to go this way, the wrong way. Everything in us is going this way. We are born going the wrong way. Think about your children. Did you have to teach them to sin or to be bad? Look, I love my children, and some of you have teenagers, you're laughing because you're like, wait a second. But I know my children, I love my children, but I'm telling you, I didn't have to influence them one bit on how to sin, right? It was just right there. See, we're all born that way. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. All of us deserve the penalty of sin, which is death. All of us deserve hell. In fact, we are headed the wrong way. We are headed to hell. So this section over here, I'm really sorry. This is an illustration, but this is hell, okay? You're hell over here. Now, remember it's an illustration, and some of you are going to be in the youth winter retreat, so you forgot what I just said, okay? All right, so you never heard that. But there's hell, We are headed that way. And the thing is, is that we've been taught that there's another way. We've been taught maybe there's a a way to live and there's a right way to go. And so what happens is we put all this pressure. I just got to do right. I got to do it. I can do it in my own strength. Boom. 
Everything we do, every attempt to live a good life, it just keeps going to this way. We can't do it, and we get frustrated with God, and we try to live in a mixture of the world and all this stuff and say, well, I want a God, but I really want the world, and we do this until there comes a day when you get mad about sin and how it's destroying your life, and you say, Jesus, I need you. You are prince and savior. Forgive me of all my sins. You died on the cross. Your blood cleanses me and frees me from sin. I need that new life. And what happens is God brings his new life from heaven. He seals you with his Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit turns the polarity of your heart to point in the right direction. So you guys are in heaven. You picked a really good spot. Really, There must be cats there because Brian Legg is over in, in heaven right now. So you're in heaven. Amazing place to sit. You guys are, if there was purgatory, that would be you guys. And then the people watching at home are in children's or in the outer darkness. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But you picked a really good place to sit. You're in heaven. But see, what happens is the Holy Spirit, Jesus has changed my heart. Now I want to do what's right. Now I have to put pressure if I want to go the other way, right? I want to have, if I want to sin, I got to go this way. What happens is like this. is like, I want to forgive him. I, want to, I know I got to forgive No. How can you ask to forgive that person? I can't do but Lord, you forgave me. I remember the cross. I remember my debt. Or the storms of life hit you. You get that call from the doctor and you're like, God, how could you do this to me? I was serving you. I was doing everything. And you're pressing this way with fear and unbelief. And you're like, but you said you would never fail me or forsake me. You would never abandon me. You are my God. And if this is what you have for my life, I will walk where you want me to walk. The polarity of your heart has changed to heaven's realities. That is being born again. So let me ask you, what time in your life did you give it all to Jesus? And you say, I'm tired of going my direction. I'm tired of being my own boss. You're the Lord. You're the boss. When did you give your life to Jesus? That one time of initial salvation were sealed with the Holy Spirit, and he changed your heart to be pointed towards heaven. Can you name that time? Can you name that place where God changed you? When did it happen? See, sin is the problem, but Jesus is his prince. He is prince and savior who wants to give you repentance and forgiveness of sins. The guilt can only be washed away by the blood of Jesus. The problem is, is that many believers, your heart's changed, but you're living right here. You're all about this, and you don't experience the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit because you don't let him orient your life to where it's supposed to be going, and you live here, and there's all this tension and you're pressing against God, his will for your life, everything he wants for you. No, God, no, God, I just, I, I don't understand. And God says, you need to go my way. Surrender to me. When was the time that you gave your life to Jesus? And there'll be a time at the end of the service I'm going to give you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if the burden of guilt is so weighing on your shoulders that it's killing you, that you're like, man, my past is killing me. The abuse in my life is killing me. Everything's killing me. It's weighing me down. Jesus wants to take away that weight right now in the name of Jesus, and he will do it if you call on the name of Jesus and are saved by the blood of the Lamb. See, after you've been saved, you get water baptized. Water baptism is an is a inward thing, but it's an outward expression of an inward thing. I'm saying that wrong, but I'll put it on the screen because it can talk better than I am, apparently. Have you been water baptized? Baptism, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality that Jesus has moved in my life, that he's moved the polarity of my heart. I'm going to heaven now, and no one can take that from me. See, you need to be baptized if you were an infant and sprinkled, if you were a child and you didn't know what you were doing. Now look, I was five when I gave my life to Jesus. 
my parents wanted to talk to me about it. I knew I was giving my life to Jesus. I knew he died on the cross for me. I knew his blood covered my sins. And I even remember the Holy Spirit, his presence around me. So you can be young and give your life to Jesus. But many of you, when you were young, you just gave your life to Jesus because all the other kids were doing it. Or you thought your parents had to do it or I had to be good, so I had to do it. No. Have you made the decision? Has God gotten a hold of your heart and said, you need to change and only I can change you? Have you given your life to him? And have you been baptized? And we need to be baptized out of obedience. Obedience, obedience shows our love and commitment to follow Jesus. How could we not? How could we not, after all he's done for us, be publicly baptized in the name of Jesus? See, here's the deal. Jesus is Prince and Savior, but he also wants to be your baptizer. And I don't mean a water. I'm talking about something much more special something amazing, something that will ignite your life, where if you're living in this tension world right here, he wants to baptize you in Holy Spirit fire. He wants to baptize you in the Spirit of God daily. He wants to fill you with his Spirit. You're not meant to do the Christian life alone. You can't handle your anger. I know that's offensive to you because there's something in us in the flesh that says, I can handle my anger. I got this. You can't handle your job. No, I can handle my job. No, you can't. But Jesus Christ in you can and you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized by the hands of Jesus. Listen to this verse in Acts. It will show all three of these things happening. In Acts, it says this, Acts 2.38. Repent, there's salvation, and be baptized, water baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we need to repent to be water and be water baptized. And we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures say all you have to do is ask. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. He offers it as a free gift by your faith. So here's the problem. Now I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to myself. Many of you are saved. You're like, I can remember the time and date. Man, I experienced God. I remember giving my life. He took the burden of sin away from me. I still have sin in my life, but he's working on me. But here's the deal. Many of you are saved, but you live powerless lives. The pen is living in that middle part with that tension against God. You're fighting God. You're fighting God, and then you blame God. Like, why is my life so empty? And he's saying, I want to fill you up. I want to baptize you. I want to do this thing in your life. See, we are oriented that way, but we don't tap into the power we have from Jesus. Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit-empowered life? You need to ask this if. You've never sensed God in your life. If you want the world to see Jesus in you, if you have a stinky attitude, because I, I, hey, amen, I've often been like, you know Bishop T.D. Jakes? He talks about changing your stinking thinking, and that comes through the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. And if you're facing the impossible, Holy Spirit wants to come upon you to change that. And if you want a dynamic relationship with your Savior, cry out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, salvation is a one-time thing. Salvation is a one-time thing, and water baptism represents salvation. Spirit baptism happens many times. It isn't getting saved again, but filled with the life of Jesus' power and authority. Sometimes we just call it being filled by the Spirit. But it's Jesus' hands baptizing us in fire every day, if you're willing. In John 20, 21 and 22, we see Jesus' disciples receiving salvation and notice this happens before Pentecost and before he ascended. This is very, very important. In John 20, 21 through 22, 
they receive salvation before Pentecost. Because remember, Jesus, and I'm going to read it again, but Jesus says, after I sinned, go wait for me for power from upon high. But before he even ascends, guess what he does for them? They receive initial salvation. So this is before that. So Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. What did we have in the garden? What did God do for Adam and Eve? He breathed his spirit and gave them life. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Our spirit became dormant. It died. It needs to be born again. See, the Holy Spirit breathes life into us. Our spirit comes alive. It is in union with the Holy Spirit, it says in 2 Corinthians. He wants to breathe in your life. But notice this happens before Pentecost. So here's my point. What's amazing is this encounter with the resurrected Lord was not enough to minister in their new faith. He would tell them to go and wait for power after he ascended. Luke 12 says, I came to send fire on the earth. This is Jesus talking. I came to send fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Jesus was zealous to ignite his church, to ignite the people of God with the fire of Holy Spirit, to rekindle it, to kindle it upon this earth that we go and live in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in our own strength. Jesus was ready for that. So let's think about this. After the resurrection and before he ascended, ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit was breathed on them. He was now in them. They'd experienced the glory of being born again. And he spent 40 days with them, teaching them about the kingdom. Yet, it wasn't enough. They were told to wait because there was another experience of the Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, this experience was not salvation. It was about power. You see, Holy Spirit is in me, but he wants out of me. He's not a lake. He's a river. Remember in John 7, he says, the Holy Spirit is like a river. He's going to flow. He's there to flow through me to impact the world around me and change me so I look like Jesus. He's not in me like a lake. And see, that's how we often treat the Holy Spirit. Do you realize God lives within you, born-again believer? What a treasure you've been entrusted with, with the Holy Spirit. But we treat him like a lake. And that's why many of you are stagnant. The Spirit of God was not meant to be contained, but to flow freely. He wants the moving power of God to flow through my life, my mind, my actions, the way I think and what I do to fulfill his purpose on earth. And this comes from letting Jesus baptize us in Holy Spirit fire. The Holy Spirit is in us for our sake, but he comes upon us for the world's sake. Think about the difference. See, we get it that he's in us. We're born again. He's in me to convict me, to guide me, to encourage me. He's in me forever. He will never leave you. He will never leave you. And that's true. He wants to change you. But he wants to change others around you. See, God designed it that you are a walking encounter for someone to meet God. Holy Spirit wants to invade the world through you. A life that says these things must bend their knees through Jesus, to Jesus, through my lips. When I speak the name of Jesus in faith, that's authority. That's the authority God wants to give you. That's the power he wants to give you. You are qualified because the Holy Spirit lives within you. Go looking for what Jesus is looking for. 
God has given us a desire to look for the things that must yield to the name of Jesus. If we don't have that desire, something's wrong, people. Because the living Savior is inside of you, and his sole purpose was to come and to defeat the work of Satan and to save and rescue people. If we don't have that desire, it means that we're living in the middle, that we're fighting against God. When he says, I want you over here, empowered with Holy Spirit, living my life on earth, that's what Jesus wants for you. He's given you the desire, but we need to ask for it. So where did Jesus receive the desire? It was initially at his baptism when the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And it was every morning that he woke and spent time with the Father. It's in the secret place. And it's in the gathering when we cry out to God and say, this isn't church until you come, Jesus. This isn't church until the Holy Spirit fills this place. And we worship him in spirit and truth. And then we go in the public. And we look for where the Father is working. And we use the name of Jesus against all that which exalts itself against the name of our Lord. We want to watch those things bow their heads and bend their knees to Jesus because all things are under his feet. See, here's the question. How empowered, how filled do I want to be? How full of the Holy Spirit do I want to be? How full do I really want to be? Remember I said it isn't a one and done baptism. Full is different in God's economy. Think of a glass, right? My son Jason, he comes in, he almost spilled something earlier in the first service, but he will fill that cup all the way to the top. And for us, that's what we picture a full. He goes walking around, I'm like scared, because I'm like, son, you're going to get that everywhere. Because he feels it, he wants to get as full as he can. See, that's what we think of when we think of full. But full is different in God's economy. We think of it as the top of a glass, but fullness is measured by overflow. It's only really full when it's overflowing, not by what it contains. You're not a lake. You're a river. Holy Spirit is a river inside of you. Let me ask you this. It says that after Jesus' baptism, Jesus moved in power of the Holy Spirit. Where did he receive the power? He received power in the encounter, the encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you think if Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, giving up his rights needs Holy Spirit while he was on earth to minister in power that we might need him? Mark 1.9 says this, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting, and I want you to remember that, the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And one of the accounts it says that dove was like lightning. See, if you've seen any of the pictures of this at Jesus' baptism, we think of like little, little clouds like, like they kind of split and the birds are like, you know, chirping. And it's this peaceful moment. That's not what this moment is. In fact, the same Greek word for the parting of the heavens so Holy Spirit can be poured out is the same word when the temple veil is ripped apart, torn at Jesus' death that separated God from man. It's the same word when he was resurrected and rocks split apart. And people were resurrected out of their graves. It's the same word. It means to be violently split apart. The heavens were violently torn back by God. God said, I will do anything to get to my people. I can't wait to dwell in my people. And Jesus is like, I can't wait to kindle that fire of an open heaven that God is always in communion with his people. That God, there's always a chance for that. See, what blocks that? What blocks that open heaven? Because Satan can't stitch that back up. God ripped it open. Our unbelief. 
Satan puts a veil over it. Have you ever prayed? You're like, man, things are just hitting a wall, man. It's like there's this wall over there. Satan's called the prince of the power of air. And he wants to make you to live under the illusion that God ain't listening. Don't put your hope in God. Heaven's realities, those are too far away. Earth's realities are it. It stinks down here, people. We don't have to live very, very much long down here. To know this world is tense and full of problems. We need heaven's realities. And Jesus says, I choose my people to bring heaven's reality on this earth. It's like God was saying, my goal is to dwell with my people and everything that separates is ripped open and will remain open. And Jesus, you're going to baptize them and nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to block my people from receiving power from upon high when they pray to me. There is an open heaven. There's a connection now made that wasn't before with God and his people. It says that the Spirit searches the deep things of God in Romans. See, when you don't even realize he's there, he understands the Father's heart and his mind. It says he's super interceding for you with groaning you don't even understand. Sometimes you don't even know it's there. The Holy Spirit is constant communion with the Father. The heavens have been ripped open. There's nothing to block it. But Satan tries to get that through unbelief or the way we think up here. We live with the illusion of a closed heaven. It's the lie of Satan. And hear this. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. When you believe Jesus, you empower Holy Spirit in your life. See, the veil of darkness, that false veil of darkness, is ripped back when we say the name of Jesus. Jesus. When we lift our hands in worshipfulness and thankfulness, when we pray in the secret place, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's realities come through us to the earth. That's what that prayer is saying. See, the heaven's parting is a physical picture of a spiritual reality we now live in. We can receive power in the encounter, the encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Father has ripped back the heavens to ensure we can have that encounter on a daily basis. It's up to you. As much as you're willing to receive to overflowing, Jesus still needed the encounter with the Spirit of God to walk in great power. And so do you and so do I. Remember, Satan is called the prince of the power of air. He doesn't want believers to see heaven's realities. He wants us to think that mountains can't move, that oceans can't be still. He wants us to think that the world's problems are too great for us. He wants to think there's no hope at all, that all we'll see is fear and tension and problems. But heaven lives in absolute confidence in God's plan. Heaven's not worried. Why do we think heaven's worried? We're worried. Earth's messed up. God doesn't sweat this stuff. God's got this. Full confidence. But Satan doesn't want us to have confidence. And he doesn't want us to pray down that confidence upon the earth. And that's why our prayer is to be, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And what I mean is Satan wants us to see as more as citizens of the earth than citizens of the heaven. Now, I know that sounds strange to our ears, right? But First Peter says, when you transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, that you're now an alien, a foreigner here. You're just passing through. And Satan wants you to see more like your old life than your new life. That's his goal. Satan wants you stuck on what you see, but God wants you stuck on heaven's realities so you can change earth's realities. May your kingdom come and manifest on earth as it is in heaven is not wishful thinking. 
It's a powerful proclamation to be lived out through you and me. The kingdoms of this, I love this scripture. The kingdoms of this earth are now becoming the kingdoms of our God. Isn't that powerful? His desire is not just to take us to heaven, but for us to realize the reality of heaven as it impacts and shapes us and others here on earth. It's your chance to partner with God, to tap into his heart, to co-labor with Christ through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Your assignment is to see people have a life-giving experience, an encounter with an all-loving Father who brings his freedom to people. Remember, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God is a chain breaker. God is a chain breaker breaker we don't see heaven's realities we're not looking for him to break chains when we have see earth's realities we live man those chains are so heavy i can't lift it i can't do it anymore and heaven's like whoa whoa over here because he's a chain breaker holy spirit is freedom and where the holy spirit is there is freedom there's an open heaven it's violently been pulled back so you can bring heaven's realities here on earth so you can be daily baptized or filled with fire so you can see heaven's reality in the midst of your storms, that God's promises can be released by faith over your life and others when you pray. I'm not saying this, that because there's an open heaven, there's not going to be a spiritual battle or problems. In fact, those will increase as we come into conflict with Satan's dominion. But we don't tap into the power that you have, believer. An open heaven means I can receive power in the encounter anytime I seek it. God's ready. He's ready to light you up, man. He's ready to put that fire upon you. He's ready to move you in power. He qualifies you. So here's my questions for you. Have you been born again? Have you been water baptized? And have you been baptized by the hands of Jesus with fire, with power and authority to rock your world? For some of you, you need to give your life to Jesus today. That you, when I was talking about that burden of guilt, that's all you're carrying. All you feel is chains in your life. That's all you know, and you're trying to live secretly good. You're trying to be moral. You're trying to do all these things. But God says there's only one way. It's to be born again. There's no other name under heaven in which to be saved by, by the name of Jesus. Jesus can save you. He alone can save you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not Buddha, not the gods of this world, not New Age, not anything else. There is one living God. There is only one path to heaven. His name is Jesus, and he wants to save you right now for the penalty of your sins. He died in your place. He died so you could be free in Christ and receive new life. If you've not done that today, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. If everybody could just bow your head and close your eyes. And even if you have already done this, you've already given your life to Christ, right now I want us to all say this together out loud. Just repeat this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. Wash me away all my sins. Seal me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you did for that for the first time, you need to mark that down because we have something we want to give you. But for others of you today, you're right here. You're that believer that you're like, I remember. I can tell you the time and date. I can remember Holy Spirit. I can remember everything. I'm saved, but I'm right here, Brian. I'm right here. I'm struggling. I'm pushing against the will of God. I need power to overcome. I need power for my life because my life is crushing me. If that's you, you need to be filled with Holy Spirit. 
It happens on a daily thing. You just have to ask for it. That's it. There's no qualifications. God isn't like, you know, get yourself all like going together and then I'll give it to you. No, right now, Holy Spirit wants to fall upon you. He wants to fill you. And so I want to pray for you too. And what I'm going to do in a second, and Ben, you can come up in a second here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and then I'm going to be right over there at Next Steps. Many times in Acts, when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the disciples laid hands. There's nothing about my hands. These are normal hands, trust me. I hope they are. There's nothing magical about it. But if you've never received the Holy Spirit, if you're like, I don't, I don't remember if I have. I've never experienced His power. I want to lay hands on you to receive the power and authority from God today. There's nothing mystical about it. I'm just a man. I'm not doing anything. It's, it's God. If you've never received that, I'm going to be standing right over there and I'll lay hands on you and just ask that you receive power of the Holy Spirit. You may feel something, you may not. It doesn't matter. Holy Spirit will, will make that clear to you today. So will you pray with me? Lord God, you are awesome in power. You're the Holy One of Israel. You're the God who lives and dwells within your people that's entrusted us with Holy Spirit. I thank you for your power and your presence, for loving us, God. And I thank you that you're here in this moment. Lord Jesus, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would release over us today, that you would release over us today your words, your promises, everything you want to tell us, the truth, Lord. You are truth. You're the resurrection and the truth. Release that into our hearts today. Release your encouragement today. Lord, release just the power of Holy Spirit upon us. You're inward. You're in us and you're among us, but you also want to come upon us. Come upon us, Lord Jesus, even if we don't understand everything. Thank you that our spirits can commune with you. We praise you for what you're doing, that we can gather in your name. Father, this is not a church unless you're here, unless you manifest your presence. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. How can I say it in any other way? You rip back the open heaven so you can come with your people. Be here, Lord. We praise you.